Welcome to the In The Scope podcast, new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the In The Scope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And also, make sure to check out the War Media site at weareregalradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the In The Scope Podcast. Hope you enjoy the We'll bring you down. We've got to stop and look around. Look around. Look around. Y'all know what time it is. It is the in the Scope Podcast with your boy, Joshua M. Hicks, Senior Writer for War Media. You can follow me on Instagram and the Twitter at Josh M. Hicks Media. And I know I've been on hi- hiatus for a while. It feels good to be back. And I wanted to come back with one of my day ones. Someone that has helped me in the industry, helped me get to where I'm at now. He's like a big brother of mine. And we go uh, we go back, at least for me in this industry, like four flats on the Cadillac. <laughs> um, he's been doing and producing for Dean and Davis show and doing production work at 670 to score. And now he's doing uh, content production, podcast production with NBC sports, Chicago, give it up for the man that everybody loves blue check tone, Tony Gill, Tony, how you doing, man? Hey, what's up, Josh, man? Doing great, dude. Just uh, happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me, man. Anytime, man, you know, I gotta get, uh, get, I was, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And, um, Obviously, there's been a lot of takes that have taken place since, you know, the summer with, when it comes to the Bulls and the roster they put together. We'll tap into that. Mm-hmm. But um, as a man that is, you know, c- close to all the Bears talk, a man that is close to all uh, with everything going on, you know, I'm interested to see how you feel about mm-hmm. this Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. situation. To, you know, they are in a conference and there's a rival to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw you make some interesting, uh, you know, comments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on Twitter regarding this Aaron Rodgers situation, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just want to hear your viewpoint on how bizarre this situation really is for Aaron right now. Uh, yeah, interesting and right comments about yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Like, he, um, he's an idiot. And um, the team, he and the team uh, put a lot of people at risk with how they treated Aaron Rodgers and his knowing that he's not vaccinated uh, but giving him the privileges of as if he was vaccinated, um, going maskless with the media, going maskless on the sidelines. Um, that's that's a privilege only under the new mandates for the NFL. That's only for vaccinated people. And they know full well he wasn't vaccinated. Um, and I don't care how mad he gets um, in terms of you know how they should have handled that. Uh, the rules are the rules. And they certainly didn't have the safety of everyone else in that organization in mind by allowing him to do essentially whatever he wants um, and disregarding the, the the protocols. And he's a liar. Um, he made it seem to the media. That's why nobody asked about, you know, this more than once to him. He made it seem like he was vaccinated. Uh, and now we obviously know that he was not. 
And now he's going to miss a game and he won't be back until, you know, minimum, if he doesn't have any symptoms, November 13th. Um, and that's on him. That's on him and the team. Um, and they're going to pay the full price on, you know, the, on, on that from the league's investigation to see if they, if the Packers handled this the way they were supposed to go. So, yeah, I mean, as much as I love Aaron Rodgers' talent and his ability, I, he's an idiot for this. And I thought he was one of the smarter players in the, in the league. And, uh, and I was definitely wrong. I mean, maybe he actually can be smart because I'm going to put the, the, the conspiracy theories out there now. Mm-hmm. So obviously we know in the offseason, he's been having this rift with front office and, the, and ownership of the team. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is supposed, and they said, you know, him and Devonta Adams said, this is the last dance. This is going to be the mm-hmm. last year really being together. Mm-hmm. What if he planned this to maybe not necessarily get COVID, but maybe do a false test or something and say he has COVID? Mm-hmm. And to, 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 you know, to Joe Spike at the front office management said, okay, I can give you all these wins. Let's see what you got now. I, I don't know. I mean, because Aaron Rodgers, I, I wouldn't see him being that type of guy. But I mean, considering all that was going on this offseason over to me, can be it could be potentially resolvable stuff. I don't know. You never you never know what can go above, above a person's sleeve. I mean, why come back at all? I mean, if you have that intent on uh now, nah, I mean the story that came out that ESPN broke, they said that he tried to circumvent the vaccination by see if he can get some more antibodies from his local doctor and not actually taking the vaccine. Um, what, and he tried to submit that to the league and the league said, no, we, you are unvaccinated and deemed him. So, um, under the league's protocol. So that shut down at the beginning of the off season. Um, so the, the Packers knew what the deal was, uh, and Aaron Rodgers knew what the deal was. He just wanted to do whatever he wanted to do. Um, and they allowed him to to do so. And under whatever the circumstances may be, he's leaving anyway. That was already determined that this was probably going to be his last year. Um, so acquiescing to him um, when he was coming back to camp, you know, anyway, was it's kind of like eh, whatever. Uh, but there are other quarterbacks in the league that are unvaccinated but they have to follow the protocols there and they are playing for their teams. Aaron Rodgers just didn't want to be viewed as a simpleton um, for not, he didn't want to be viewed like Kirk cousins and Carson Wentz did and what they went through in terms of, and Cole Beasley in terms of the backlash that they got. He didn't want any of that. So he pretended to be vaccinated. And now he just looks like, like, at least I can respect those dudes for like, all right, I don't think you're smart, but you know, you're doing whatever you're going to do anyway. And, as long as you're following the protocols, you're getting tested. Um, I think it's you know multiple times a week. Um, then that's fine. But Aaron tried to it tried to lie about this, and that's kind of like that's what children do. That's not what a grown man does is 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 lie about. That's not the, I lost a lot of respect for Aaron Rodgers today. That he couldn't stand up for. If you believe in if you don't believe in his vaccinations. That's a whole different, you know, conversation we need to be having. But lying about it in order to circumvent what is deserved backlash um, was 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 weak. So that's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that it, that is just that, yeah, it's a lot. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, the fact that he even got this far is kind of crazy. 
Mm. Um, but hey, it's never it's the NFL. There's all types of drama that goes on in the league. It's not aside from him. You got guys that's driving 156 miles on a highway with a loaded gun and he's drunk. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> there's never, never a dull party in the NFL. Just like there's never a dull party in the NBA. Because in the NBA, you know, the, the, the hometown Bulls are making some noise. Mm-hmm. Um, and this offseason, they got ripped to shreds by critics for mm-hmm. um, for one of, at least one of the moves that they made, which was getting DeMar DeRozan. Um, mm-hmm. to Chicago and they thought that DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine pairing would not work um, and so far they've shown that that's not that is not the case and the Bulls mm-hmm. are 6-1 now top of the league and they are showing that this could potentially be a team to beat what, what was for you uh, t- from the games that you've seen so far mm-hmm. what are the biggest component of the Bulls that stood out to you uh, they are way better defensively um that was the biggest concern about this team for the last few years is they couldn't play defense. They couldn't get stops um, and they couldn't get, you know, points off turnovers. And they're doing all of that now. Um, they're top 10 in defense, defensive rating. Um, they defend well, they create turnovers, they get out on a fast break. Um, they are doing all the things that we were worried about this group uh, doing um, despite having not really a paint, a defensive post defensive presence, a consistent one um, at that, they're circumventing that by, you know, creating turnovers and not, and it's not the fake turnovers, right. Where they just send double teams. Like, no, they're playing solid, you know, team defense without forcing the issue in terms of, um, you know, double teaming, like Jim Boylan's defensive scheme was, uh, he, I mean, they were tops in league in turnovers, but, it was how you generate those turnovers. Um, you can't play that, all, you know, a full game. Like, you got to play a solid base defense, and they're doing that now. They're getting hands in passing lanes. They're being aggressive with ball handlers um, early in the shot clock, like not letting ball handlers get comfortable. So they're doing a lot of things defensively, and I think that's probably the biggest point of, of turnaround for me is this team is that everybody is bought in to uh, the defensive scheme. Yeah, I, and it's really surprising for me, too, because Zach Levine himself has taken on that challenge. Um, I know over the offseason, uh, I talked about how you saw in how his presence in Team USA, Team USA mm-hmm. um, really was monumental for him just because he learned how to play and play in other ways to help the team win, which especially in, in the Olympic realm was defense. Mm-hmm. And you see how that transferred into the Bulls issue. It seems like he's taking a lead defensively um, to make a statement to show that not, number one, they're all bought in on defense, like you said, but even mm-hmm. him to put himself in that conversation of the best of the best, showing that he is that two-way player, especially with this contract year coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like he's trying to take on that extra level defensively to get to maximize his worth. And it's, it's paying off. And that's something that, it's exciting for me to see, um, especially as someone that the Bulls are deeming as the number one guy for this team. Um, how important is it to have your number one player, your star player, be that fully bought in where he is trying to change the dynamic in, a, in his game that even though we knew he had the capability of doing it, but didn't really have the knowledge whereof to transfer it into full fruition. Like how important is it for him for, to have your number one guy to be that bought in and for the team to follow after that? Um, it's extremely important. And um, 
I think it, I think a lot the, something that has a lot to do with it is he knows that he doesn't have to carry a whole lot of the offensive load anymore. Um, and I think that kind of started at Team USA where it was the first team he's been on probably in his life where uh, he wasn't the main source of the offense. So in order to be productive, in order to get noticed, you got to do other things. And playing defense is one of those other things. So I think it started with Team USA uh, filling in a role, knowing that he wasn't the main scorer. So you got to go out and defend. And he did that and made that commitment um, on that team to defend. And then he's brought that over with him uh, to the Bulls, where, again, he's he is the main scorer this time. But it's not all on him to get points. Uh, and that leaves you energy freed up to actually lock in defensively, where before, if he didn't score 35-plus, you know, on efficient shooting, you know, every night, the Bulls didn't have a chance at winning a game. Um, and that drains you. That drains you a lot. And, you know, down the stretch where it's like, man, like, is it is it a, is it worth it for me to go out all in on this defensive possession when I know it's not going to matter, where I know that, you know, our defensive rotations and stuff like that aren't aligned. So I might as well just kind of do what I can defensively. Um, and then hopefully we can get the ball back and we can score. So um, he's certainly locked in defensively. He's made it a part of his identity this season. Uh, and it's certainly been a benefit for uh, everybody else on his roster. And I, that's a good point you mentioned about how he doesn't have to carry the full load offensively, which gives him the energy to, to contribute to that end defensively. Because um, that's why the Bulls brought in DeMar DeRose, to help be the guy that can help carry some of that offensive load. And the way he's done it with the Bulls, to me, has been tremendous because they've been able to pick their poisons. Um, Zach Levine, obviously, we know he's, he's, he's a three-level scorer now, um, where he can pretty much score anywhere on the court, but DeMar DeRozan, him having the ability to stick to what he knows and stick to what he does best, which is that mid-range game, is so ideal in Billy Donovan's system, especially when it comes to stretching the floor and creating the space necessary for Zach Levine to do what he to do what he wants to do offensively. Talk about how DeMar DeRozan's fit, even though many have said that it would not work, um, it's it's been it's being proved wrong. In what ways do you think that really is? Um, you know, going good for the Bulls right now? Um, yeah. Uh, I think the instant impact that he's brought over is that he is a scorer, and that's what he does. Um, so having a consistent teammate for Zach Levine was kind of like the number one thing uh, in the offseason because he's never had that. Uh, they tried to pump up Laurie, and that wasn't it. Um, they tried to pump up Kobe, and that isn't consistent enough. Um Maybe Pat will, but we, you know, he's still working on things and obviously he's injured. So Zach never had, as, as long as he was a bull, a consistent secondary guy that can handle some of that. And now he's got DeMar DeRozan that they can do that. And um, I can admit, I was one of those detractors that said I didn't like the fit. And I'm only going to go halfway, take it back. Uh, because I do think long term, I mean, I, I mean, what is he like 32, 33 now? So three years later you know is he still going to be that you know effective is he's going to be the crown jewel that you know everybody doesn't age like LeBron <laughs> you know um that is an anomaly so do I think that Vooch and uh DeMar DeRozan three years from now while Zach is in his immediate prime is gonna be able to help attract other stars mm, I don't think so uh but for now I knew that they this was going to be a jump I knew 
this was going to what not this exactly. I didn't predict they go six and one, but I figured that they'd be a lot better, you know, offensively because he's a seasoned veteran. DeMar DeRozan is a seasoned veteran. He knows how to play basketball. Um, so that wasn't my issue. My issue was more long term view of this uh, roster is that in three years it's already going to be like eh, your crowning piece should be Zach Levine, obviously, and then Patrick Williams. And obviously, Pat hasn't really shown a lot. So you're you're banking that reputation is going to help you later down the road. You're pushing the can down the road, in my opinion. But for right now, for the next season or two, this is going to be a really solid team. And DeMar DeRozan is going to be a a, a big impact on that. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to NBC Sports Chicago podcast producer, um, Tony Gill. Tone, um, another component that I think was actually really huge for the Bulls um, is actually Alice Caruso. Obviously, we talk about everyone talks about Lonzo Ball and what he's and what he's doing and what he can do and bring to the table on both ends of the floor, especially since his improved jump shot is not to shoot. I want to say it's 40 percent from the three point line. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's doing it on a consistent basis where he's had at least three or four three-pointers a game. So, obviously, Lonzo Ball is improving offensively from a shooting mm-hmm. perspective. But I think the key here is Alex Caruso, especially with Kobe White being out, having mm-hmm. Alex Caruso as one of those backup guards that can come off your bench and get you key defensive stops on the defensive end and timely uh, jump shots uh, from the three um, as, a, as a catch and shoot uh, shooter as well as the ability for him to run the break, uh, which we know that he is capable of doing. Um, with the How valuable is Caruso showing his, his worth right now with this team? I think, I think it's huge that he's doing what he's doing right now. Um, he's, he's doing a very good job, and he made it a point to come out, you know, and bring that consistent defensive effort, which he's brought every game, and I think that's here to stay. Um, and by, you know, Billy kind of staggering those minutes where Zach and DeMar are kind of um, running with the twos at different, you know, areas and spots of the game um, is really allowing those bench guys to have opportunities to to play off of Zach and DeMar uh, in the spacing and the playmaking that they can provide. Um, Alex, uh, offensively, I wouldn't peg him as like a, a a a bucket guy, right? He's not Kobe White. He's not Lou Williams in terms of that vein of uh, a six man coming or you know Jamal Crawford coming off the bench. Um, but he is going to provide you know smart high Q basketball. He's going to play really hard. He's going to uh, run the break. Um, he's really athletic. Uh, so he's going to do all those things that you need him to do um, off the bench, and he certainly stabilizes. Right now, which is a, a, an inconsistent you know, bench effort, uh, we've got to see if that will continue um, what Io did and what uh, Troy Brown Jr. and you know all those other players, they got to be more consistent to kind of help boost that second unit. But Alex uh, Caruso is certainly a headline in that group. Yeah, and you made a good, uh, good segue transition to Io because Io, especially as a late, has really shown even for a rookie that he is not afraid to be in the big moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has um, pretty much grown to where he can be a good uh, two-way player in this league, um, especially this last game that they played against Boston. He showed mm-hmm. up in what he showed up in a lot of ways to help keep that Bulls team afloat and actually which, which allowed the Bulls to have the spark that they needed at the end 
to close out that game in the fourth quarter and go on that huge run. Um, what is Io's ceiling in your in your opinion? How good can this young guy really get in this league, especially since you're talking about a 21, 22-year-old guy who just who played three years of college ball, um, Bob Cousy Award winner, won, you know, has success because he's a Morgan, you know, as a homegrown uh, mm-hmm. champion, uh, state champion at Morgan Park, won a Big Ten title with you abide. Like he has the um, the skill set to make an impact now. But like, what's his ceiling? Like how how good do you think he could really be for this Bulls team? Uh, I, I don't know yet. Um, you know, I just don't want to measure it off of one hot game that he had. Um, I still need to see a, a little bit more. I will say this. Um, I think because of his high uh, college experience, um, he knows where he's supposed to be in terms of spots on the floor to be effective. And that's something Patrick Williams, who was a number four pick, is still learning. Uh, and he was a freshman that he came when he came out. So they're like the little nuances, you know, the little nuances of playing basketball of, okay, I don't have the ball. Where do I need to stand? Where can I make my cuts to get open? Um, and, and a big part of that is running the floor. All you do is just run and somebody will find you um, and, and, and work hard on that end. And then also, you know, just don't be a turnstile on defense on the, on the defensive end uh, and communicate. So like he has all of that down because he stayed in college. He, you know, learned that and was, um, taught that uh, while he was in college of all those little things that make a, a a good roundabout basketball player. He's doing all of those things. Um, so you, we know he's a NBA player. That's that's what you want to know. With a second round pick, you want to know, can he survive on an NBA level with NBA bodies? And so far, he's doing that. So that is a plus for uh, Io. Um, in terms of his ceiling, um, I mean, I want to be realistic because let's face it, he is a second rounder. Um, so I don't want to be like, oh, he's the next, you know, Jimmy Butler. Like Jimmy Butler's just don't happen all the time, you know, in the back end of first rounds and in the second rounds. Like there's a reason why, you know, guys go in the second round. Um, so uh, if, if, you know, you have to put a ceiling on it. Um, I like the Giroux holiday uh, comparison. Um, Drew's really good though. Like that's, that's peak top end, um, in terms of what IO could be in, in IO's people don't understand like IO, he, he's a little bit on the smaller end and, you know, the guys that, uh, you know, we think that he should be, or think we has his play t- style are a, a little bit bigger than him. Um, but I think if he molds himself into, you know, uh, a Giroux holiday type guy. Um, I don't know if he's going to be an elite score. I think he may operate best as a playmaker. So I think Giroux holiday might be uh, a, a top in again, ceiling uh, for IO. It's really interesting comparison. I can see that actually. That's a very mm-hmm. good interesting comparison. Um, but let's transition to Kobe white because Kobe White has setback, um, you know, his, sh- his shoulder injury, and they say he's not supposed to be available until later this month, potentially. Um, mm-hmm. And Patrick Williams was the same way until before he got hurt. Now he's out for the season. Um, how much of a setback do you think uh, those two as a young core is really going to be for the Bulls, for this Bulls team? Because, yes, the Bulls made lots of big-time moves this offseason by getting some good quality talent to pair with Zach Levine. But they were heavily banking on 
the rise of Patrick Williams taking that second year leap, especially from what we saw in the summer league. And then expecting Kobe White to go back to the Kobe White of old, because now you don't have to put so much responsibility on him to be a point guard. He can actually mm-hmm. be a score, the scoring guard that we know he can be. And that's what his true gifts are. So with those two being derailed by injuries and Kobe White really coming, hasn't really going to be coming back, coming in kind of late. Um, do you think that's going to slow down, that could potentially slow down the Bulls? And do you think it's going to be a while for someone like Kobe White to get under, get his under, get his, get back under his feet, considering that, you know, it is a shoulder injury. It's going to take time to fully get back into shape. And the way the Bulls roster is looking right now, just with what they have, they're rocking pretty good. So, so do you think he can mess up that chemistry? Uh, are you saying when, if, when Kobe White comes back, is he gonna mess up? Yeah, the current chemistry. Ah, uh, no, nah, I don't think so. Um, again, like if you look at just the resumes of the guys that's on the Bulls bench, it's nowhere near to where Kobe's is. I mean, like in terms of you know the type of player that 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 Kobe's went been in college and the type of player he's been in the league in terms of what his skill set is, um, he will instantly become the best scorer off the bench. Like as soon as he's ready. So uh, I don't think he's gonna mess up. Uh, anything you know he's a excellent you know catch and shoot uh, three-point shooter he definitely improved on that uh, under Billy Donovan so um, and again he doesn't have all the responsibilities of being a point guard he could just go out and be the best Kobe that he can be uh, which is scoring Um, and it doesn't a score is going to score like that's if that's your gift uh, in terms of getting buckets you know and make it look easy or or fluid um, that's what you're going to do kind of regardless. And he will just need to get his stamina, you know, behind him, um, get his feet wet defensively. Uh, that's, that's my only concern is, you know, defensively with him, making sure that he doesn't disrupt what they got going on, making sure he understands the scheme, um, where he, you know, is not getting lost or being ISOed, <laughs> you know, he knows where the help is coming from. He knows, uh, where his position is to be helped. Uh, on defense. So that's my biggest concern. I'm not really concerned about what he does uh, offensively. That'll come, uh, I think, eventually as he gets going during the season. Um, and it, if you look at Patrick Williams in terms of uh, you talked about uh, losing him, I think that more hurts the Bulls from a long-term standpoint than a short-term one. Uh, his stats weren't really that great. Like, I think he was averaging like six points. Like, you could replace six points. Like, that's nothing. Um but the, the, the long-term development is what is going to hurt the, him and the Bulls. Um, and to a small degree, Kobe, if he doesn't, you know, get right um, and get going um, like they projected him to, which I'm not worried that there's any setback so far. I haven't heard or seen anything that there's going to be a setback with Kobe. Uh, but uh, Patrick is, is going to come up on a contract year soon. And you got to know what he is. Uh, you got to know what he's like. I mean, he's your top four pick. That is their prized possession in terms of a draft pick um, for Mark and uh, Arturis. So it's that is the difficult part is that they miss a, a, a year of development for a guy that hasn't had a full training camp yet in his entire NBA career. Because, again, he had the uh, he had a slight foot injury um, in preseason this year. Uh, so he you still don't know what he is. And like I mentioned before about my concerns about, you know, the next four years of the Bulls is going into a free agency, him and Zach are going to be the key pieces and possibly Lonzo, you know, 
Like they are going to be the headliners. And if he's kind of like a middling player and you just got Zach and hopefully Lonzo, you know, continues to grow. But if Lonzo is just the same player and you got like, you know, Zach Levine, like what's going to convince another star to be like, yes, I will come here. Like it's going to be a bit of a more of a challenge. That's what I'm saying. So um, it, it, I think the, the Patrick Williams injury actually hurts them more long-term um, than, you know, Kobe's injury uh, than the short-term. So obviously um, now that Patrick Williams is out for the season, that, like you said, that's a key component that the Bulls are going to miss and ideally wanted to utilize to help with this roster this year. Who do you, what do you think the Bulls should do moving forward in trying to replace Patrick Williams for this season alone? Should they go out and seek a trade? Should they try to um, wait it out until maybe like the buyout season where more talent could potentially be on the market that be uh, that could be bought off from other teams and they can potentially, especially if they're a playoff team, can get more consideration from top veteran players that can fill that void. What do you think the Bulls really should do to fill in that, fill in that roster spot that clearly is open because Patrick Williams is out? Well, they shouldn't make any sudden moves. Um, right now, they they seem to be treading water pretty well uh, with their various rotations. Now, they are small and not having just the body outside of the production, right? Like, he's only having six points, I think, maybe two rebounds. Like, outside of his statistical production, he's still a bigger body um, and very versatile uh, in terms of movement on the court uh, that allowed you to play a bit smaller. Um, not having that is is a, is a slight loss. Uh, I don't want to, you know, disrespect him in that aspect. It is a loss um, not having, you know, his wingspan and, you know, in his height around. Um, right now, I think they're doing a pretty decent job. They're working uh, Tony Bradley in. Um, he did a pretty decent job. Uh, look, Vooch is going to have to play a bit tougher. You know, trying to stay out of foul trouble. So I think they're going to see if on the current roster they can kind of rotate guys and, and kind of replace it, place Patrick Williams as a group. Um, if it gets really bad, like I, which is, I mean, still yet to be seen that the Bulls can get really bad just yet. But if they're just being taken advantage of uh, at the power forward position, um, uh, I mean, they may make a move. But again, they traded away some assets. Um, you know, and I think that they should be cautious of giving away too many future, you know, things, um, because they may need them later down the road to make a, a actual move instead of just trying to replace, you know, uh, for a season. Um, so as long as they're handling it, you know, correctly within the, the, the bounds of their roster, um, I don't, I don't think they may not even need a move unless this one is present and obvious, um, because you've got to think like who, who are the Bulls going to trade to feel that in, in a significant way? Like the only real one is like Kobe. And if you're going to trade Patrick Williams, he may be involved. But again, that's, that's a, that's a more of a short term, you know, thinking like, Oh, we got to see how well we could do this season. Like it's bigger than just this season. You know, if they want to win a championship, they have to think, you know, a few years down the line in terms of growth and progression, instead of like trying to get the most out of this season. Yeah, that's a good point, especially when you talk about the trade assets because they, the NBA, I believe, is still investigating that Lonzo Ball sign-and-trade uh, situation, mm -hmm. which may lead to them losing some draft capital, which could be beneficial for future moves if they wanted to make them down the line as well, mm -hmm. like you mentioned. 
Um, everybody listening right now, you're listening to Tony Gill. Um, Tone, I kind of want to talk about, to me, in my opinion, a little bit of a un, like an unnoticed player, but it's making a huge impact, and Javante mm-hmm. Green. Javante mm-hmm. Green, um, you know, he's, he may not be the best shooter in the world or anything like that, but he's a scrappy guy that gets the job done defensively, and he rebounds. He reminds mm-hmm. me of like a David uh, Nwaba, who used to play for the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a scrappy guy, but gave a lot of energy, a lot of hustle. Um, and I believe that's something that the Bulls lacked last year that they really need this year. Someone that can give a boost, that can give a spark. Um, it's going to be a long 82-game season. How much of an impact do you think, just off of his energy alone, Javante Green can really be for this Bulls roster, especially now that you have probably, probably going to be playing some more minutes considering now that Patrick Williams is down. Yeah, he's going to be playing a significant you know, amount of minutes. Um, and again, like, he's a really solid player. I'm glad the Bulls have him. Um, but one thing I think Bulls fans should always be weary of, and it's something that has plagued uh, Bulls Nation for a while now, is falling in love with guys that, you know, on, on good teams would be marginal players or like, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth guys, you know, off the bench. Um, like, I mean, and, and you don't even have to go that far. Uh, you can just look at the last couple seasons of guys playing out of, uh, not position, but out of role, you know, guys playing in bigger roles than what their talent, you know, would be available to them. So, um, again, we're going to need a lot more games to, you know, figure this out. Um, I just want fans to, look. I like him. He does provide a spark. Uh, he runs the floor. He plays really hard. Uh, but let's see some more games. Like right now, he's been playing power forward over an 82-game stretch. I don't like. I don't know what that's going to look like in terms of once we have the, the larger sample size, uh, what's that going to look like? Because teams, they know. They look at film. You know, they're going to be watching the Bulls, how to take advantage of their smaller lineup. Like, it's still early in the season, um, but he is playing really hard. And, and that's the biggest thing right now is Billy Donovan is having everybody play as hard as possible when they get in, when they check into the game. And that's that's a huge key for, for a good team, a well-coached team, that he's playing hard, they're running the floor, they're trying to get the easy buckets, uh, and they're playing hard defensively. So um, he's certainly going to play a lot more minutes. It's going to be interesting to see you know, um, how Billy kind of circumvents um, other teams figuring them out in, in that weak spot of, of power forward. Uh, but for right now, um, you got to ride the wave while it's hot. Yeah, that's true. It just, it, I was watching Jalen Chicobi, I think, earlier this week, and, and Jalen just keeps on mentioning about how the Bulls have a living, breathing GM. I like to take it as far as they have a living, breathing front office management, period. When you talk about, you know, what the work that Mark Eversley's done, Artemis Carnesimus has done, and even getting a competent head coach in Billy Donovan and a staff like Mo, that had features legends like Mo Cheeks and, uh, and things of that sort to help really build this Bulls roster and what, into what it is now. Mm-hmm. That being said, where do you think, from a ceiling perspective, this Bulls team is going to be? And how mm-hmm. deep, of a, and if they are a playoff team, how deep of a playoff run could they go? Um, I think that they're going to go, I mean, they're going to be a, you know, a fifth seed and hopefully up. 
Um, I think a six seed and under would be a disappointment. Uh, so I'm banking that uh, they should be uh, a top five seed in, in the East this year. Uh, from there, I don't know. Uh, I've never seen this team. I've never seen Zach Levine in a playoff setting. Um, and I don't really want to, you know, predict too much uh, in terms of that aspect, because again, like I'm, I know enough about the Bulls that you never go that far with the prediction uh, with them because they're just, you know, wildly inconsistent at times. So I don't, I don't know what they'll be like once the playoffs start, but I have a pretty good feeling that this team, uh, barring injuries, and again, we got to watch that Zach Levine uh, left hand, yeah, left thumb ligament. Um, always be you know cautious and aware of that. That may go in anytime because it's it's very dangerous. Uh, but yeah, they they should be at least a, a five seed in my opinion. All right. I, I hope I hope that as well, man. And hopefully, you know, we'll hear about hopefully are you coming to pools this year? They got you, they they get you the in the in the scene. No, no, I'm not uh I'm not there uh anymore, man. Um since the pandemic, it's like, man, do I really wanna, you know, <laughs> go out there like every night and go through all this stuff? Like, especially now, like with my extended role at, you know, kind of NBC and kind of what is the stuff that I'm doing there, like it's it's a lot. Yeah. And like I respect the grind of the writers that do that full time, you know, that that's their, you know, job. And, you know, that would be like an added responsibility, you know, on me to do what I do at NBC and cover, you know, the bulls. And, you know, I got a lot of life things going on, you know, got a, got a, got an old lady that, you know, that that I'm, you know, that I'm very serious about. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all about kind of priorities right now. I can, you know, with zooms and stuff, like I can be in a press conference, I can, you know, watch the game. So I don't, I feel like I've made the connections that I need to make at the bulls there. Um, and the sources that I need to have there. Uh, so my, in my case, it's my, my job is complete. I'll definitely go out. I'm definitely planning to go cover uh, a couple games uh, live this year. Uh, but but this year I'm just kind of you know taking a backseat and just kind of working along with Jace, Jason Goff and Casey and Rob and to to put out a great Bulls podcast and some, some great Bulls content. No, that's real, bro. That that is real. Uh, you know, of course, I never got to officially tell you, but congratulations to you and your lady. Um, no, Appreciate sure. <laughs> yeah, it. No problem, bro. But um, but yeah, you yeah, you guys are doing some good stuff out there. Shout out to Rob, who's been on my show before. Rob Schaefer, mm-hmm. uh, Casey Johnson, you know, Jason Goff, these. You know, you guys are doing great stuff, especially with the Bulls Talk podcast. Um, and there's a good segue to that. So what's what's going on as far as, you know, big projects, any big projects coming up? I know, obviously, right now, Bulls Talk is going on. Josh got Bears Talk coming on with Under the Sunday mm-hmm. podcast. Shout out to our guy, Ken, who's the host of that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what are some big projects coming up that our audience can follow and check out? Um, you know, right now, well, the ones I can speak about, I can't really – say in public just yet um but but potentially there could be some things down the line so just kind of follow me on on twitter and instagram at the tony gill um just to get constantly updates but you know you can check me out in other spaces um i executive produced the sports adjacent podcast with the sun times russell dorsey and jason leisure um that is an extremely fun project passion project that they created that i'm executive producing um and it's really dope so check that out we put out clips every week uh 
that that's you know a fun time if you like sports but not like sports um it's, it's really a fun time for everybody that's uh that, that that just wants to listen to just a fun podcast and an interesting podcast we do tackle some heavy stuff um we talked about on the latest episode that's coming out tomorrow we talked about the blackhawks uh and scotty pippen and you know how he's attacking life in his senior years like we, we talk about real stuff on there as well as have a good time also i executive produced bardo's breakdown um with the, the flying Illini, Stephen Bardo, you guys know who he is. He's uh, done a, a lot of broadcasting work with the Big Ten. He uh, actually called a Bulls game on the radio this year so far. He's doing a lot of uh, TV radio uh, TV calls with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, so I executive produce his college show, and that comes on on Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, and uh, LinkedIn and YouTube. So, you know, follow me for all that stuff. Follow Stephen Bardo, follow uh, Russell Dorsey and Jason Leisure to catch me where all those spaces are. Blue check tone, always a man with a plan, always busy, but you always doing good stuff, man, to, you know, bring joy to our hearts in the sports world. We really appreciate it. And like everybody, like you said, everybody go check out his work and his content because he has a clearly plenty of stuff to give us. So we got to check in with that. Um, you guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Josh M. Hicks Media, as well as follow We Are Regal Radio, We Are Regal, we are Regal Radio.com, War Media, uh, WarMedia.com, or subs, on Substack. You, got, you can follow this, this podcast and this show on YouTube uh, via War Media, Instagram and Twitter, War Media, um, War on Anchor for all, on all podcast platforms. You name it, we're all over the place. We got a lot of great stuff coming your way. Tone, I appreciate you coming on my show, giving me all the insight, the scoops. Which I, I need a brief analysis, just real brief. What's mm-hmm. up with Scotty going? What's up with Scotty, man? Like, what's up with <laughs> what's up with him and the spirits kicking in to, to to come off the way that he's coming off right now with MJ? Clearly, he has he's not done. His book comes out next week. Like, what's going on with Scotty, man? What's your viewpoint on Scotty and how he's handling all this? Um. If you want my full take, listen to uh, the Sports Adjacent podcast that will be coming out tomorrow. But uh, in short, um, I don't know. I think Scotty is he may be going through some stuff um, just in his, you know, in, in his mind, and in his personal life um, that he feels slighted in a way uh, about the narrative, about his career and, you know, himself personally. Um, and if a person is, is harboring these feelings, these re- regrets, um, about you know how they're being viewed in life or things of that nature, um, he's retaliating and he's retaliating with his book. Uh, he's retaliating with his comments uh, about Michael and and the book and the Last Dance, uh, which I I think in 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 small portion he may have a a small point in some aspects, uh, but yeah, he's obviously hurting right now and he's kind of lashing out and wants people to to listen to him on on why he feels the way he feels so. Um, I mean, that's, that's his prerogative. He's a grown man. He's, he's, you know, he's got kids. He's, he's an adult. Um, he's going to make his own decisions on that and, and how he takes something. And, um, we're just here to just kind of take, take that all in and, and, and as it be a source of entertainment for all of us. Yeah, for sure, man. That That's true. I'm looking forward to seeing how that, see, see and read how that goes. I did pre-order his books. I'm, I'm interested to see how that's going to go and how that, uh, narrative's going to turn out 
But again, Tone, I really appreciate you coming on my show. Keep doing a big, keep doing big things out there. I look forward to seeing all the content and uh, keeping and keeping in touch with you, man. I know obviously pandemic has taken away a lot of things, but once things get better and I become more free because of school, <laughs> um, you know, we definitely need to link up and catch up for sure in the public guy. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely, man. Keep grinding, keep doing your thing. I see you, bro. You always got my support. Uh, meantime, man, you want to reach out, man? Let's 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 do it. We got you. I got you, bro. Really appreciate it, and you enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, you too.